Our first lesson this evening is from the book of Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise. The Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, 
and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. As we come together to worship and to be in the presence of the Lord, a gospel lesson today warns us about the serious temptation to pride and the call to humility. Jesus also gives us the cure to that problem of pride and, and he gives us his own humility to put us ourselves on the way of humility. Our key verse is this, he who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. The world around us babbles incessantly about pride, glories in pride. The great philosopher, perhaps one of the greatest philosophers of all time, Aristotle, claimed that pride was the highest of all virtues. And yet Jesus condemns pride and commends humility. What a stark contrast. What a tremendous difference between the way of Jesus and the way of the world around us. So tonight I want to wrestle with two questions. One, why is there such a difference? Why is the world so full of pride? And then secondly, how do we handle ourselves in a situation like this? John, in his first letter, said this about the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. I ran into this uh, many, many years ago. One day when I was driving one of my sons to one of his baseball games. As we were driving toward from Collinsville to Maryville, I wanted to have a little talk with him about uh, how to do well in a game like this. I wanted to encourage him encourage him to do his best in everything. And I told him, you know, if you are, don't want, I don't want you to be discouraged on the one hand if you do poorly, and I also don't want you to be proud on the other hand if you do well. He looked at me with these beautiful, huge, innocent eyes and said, Dad, I thought we were supposed to be proud. And immediately I realized that what his coaches had been telling him was not at all what I had just been telling him. And so I had to go on to explain it. David, I said, whatever you do, whether it be a baseball game or anything else that you do in this life, do it all from beginning to end with God in mind. As you begin, pray for his help. And if you don't do so well, continue praying for his help. And if you do well, give him thanks. When God is in all of it all the way, you won't be proud, but you will be thankful. And there's a big difference between these two things. Whatever you do in this world, do it with the mind of God. The world 
either unintentionally or oftentimes, I would say most of the time, intentionally forgets about God. And so into this vacuum rushes ourself, our ego. We see this in the Bible all over the place when men, even faithful men, forget about God. They soon wind up falling down into the problem of pride and all the troubles that result from it. For example, Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. It's amazing to see how the generations after Noah so quickly forgot about the Lord. They didn't spread out over all the world to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth again as a kind of new creation. Instead, they wanted to consolidate. They wanted to stay together. They wanted to build a city. And above all, they wanted to build a tower that reached up into the heavens. And for this purpose, to make a name for ourselves. Pride is the temptation and the affliction of those whose minds are not set on God. Now, God gives us many abilities. And with those abilities, it's amazing what human beings can accomplish great accomplishments in many ways. But when those accomplishments are done without prayer, without thankfulness, they become a kind of cancer that grows, certainly, but it grows in, a, in, a, in an improper way, and it eventually becomes very destructive. In my boyhood, there was one particular sermon that our pastor gave about pride, and I never forgot the story he told about the destructiveness of pride. There's a story about a farm. And on this farm there was a pond, and on the pond there lived two ducks and a frog. It was a hot summer, and the pond was drying up, so the ducks decided they were going to fly away to another farm and another pond. Upon hearing about this, the frog became very disturbed and complained, don't leave me here to die. The duck said, but what can we do? We can't carry you. The frog was a very clever frog and very proud, as many clever people are. And he said, all you have to do is take this stick in your beaks, hold it in your beaks, and I'll hold on in the middle with my mouth, and then you can fly away to the pond and take me with you, and we can live together there happily. Amazingly, the idea worked, and the ducks took off, and they flew, and they went one last circle around the farm, and as they did, the farmer, seeing this amazing sight, looked up and said, I wonder who thought of that? Whereupon the frog opened his mouth and said, I did. I never forgot that story, and it really kind of shows when we accomplish great things but don't give God the glory, in the end, bad things always ensue. Listen to these words of the prophet Obadiah. That's a book of the Bible we don't get to very often. But Obadiah wrote his book especially against a proud nation called the nation of Edom. In it he said, The pride of your heart has deceived you. You say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Although you ascend as high as an eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars... From there, I will bring you down, says the Lord. This is why the world is so full of pride. It has forgotten about God, and without God, basically, the world makes itself its own God, at least a God unto itself. 
And that leads us now to that second question I said we would wrestle with tonight. And that is, how should we handle ourselves in this situation? And my first important words to you is that you need to see, above all, this is not just the world's situation. This is our situation. All of us are affected by these problems. Martin Luther compared the problem of pride to the problem of Adam and Eve. When they were deceived by the devil and when they wanted to become like God. Listen to what Luther said about that. In short, the misery and the woe that one man would love to be the God of another. That's really a good definition of what pride is. Comes from the apple in paradise. When Adam and Eve wanted to be gods in the devil's name, this apple still lies heavy, heavy in everybody's stomach and causes constant belching and will not be digested. The core of pride resides within the hearts and souls of every single human being. And it is something we will have to struggle with. Here are five ways to see how the problem of pride might be cropping up in your life and causing temptation for you. Five ways. When we quickly recognize the faults of others, but we have a hard time thinking about our own. When we become defensive and angry when we are criticized. When we constantly lift ourselves up and get our stuff done, but never lift up anyone else or help them get their stuff done. When we bully people into doing what we want them to do, and when we find it easier to receive credit than to give it. These are just five of a number of other ways that we could see this temptation of pride at work in our lives. And if that doesn't tell us this is our problem as well as the world's problem, then let's take a look at the example of the Apostle Paul himself. Paul tells us in his second letter to the Corinthians, the Lord sent a thorn into his flesh. He calls it a messenger of Satan. And what was it for? It was for Paul's temptation to pride. Lest, Paul says, I should exalt myself beyond measure. Three times Paul prayed that this thorn in the flesh would be removed, but it wasn't. Instead, the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. Uh, my strength is made perfect in weakness. No matter how powerful we may be, strong, smart, or good, the gospel message to us all is there's so much more with God. When we forget about ourselves and remember God and put Him first in everything that we are doing, there's no end to the possibilities to the accomplishments, and to the good that can be done. To the Colossians, Paul referred to this when he said, To this end I labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. God's working worked in Paul. We see that, for example, in the life of the Christian and famous scientist and professor George Washington Carver of the Tuskegee Institute. He said that one time he prayed that God would reveal to him the mystery of the universe. And 
Carver said that God told him, no, uh, that's only for me to know, not you. And then George Washington Carver said, well, then reveal to me the mystery of the peanut. This is what he was famous for, his studies in agriculture, and particularly in what can be done with peanuts. And apparently Carver said, God said, well, George, that's about your size. And he revealed it to him. But it shows a man who put his work into God's hands with prayer in the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. And that's when we see the great things getting accomplished. The things that will be glorified eternally by God. And the one who gives us the greatest example of that, of course, is Jesus himself who did not come to glorify himself, although if there was anyone who could have glorified himself, it was Jesus. But his goal was to bring us to glory, to take us away from the slavery of sin. And so he came with us into this life, into our prison. He joined us in our shackles under the law, and he even took our death sentence, which he did not deserve, and died for us, to forgive us. And all along the way, if you follow the life of Jesus, you see it so clearly. His eyes were always on the Father, focusing on the Father and looking to Him to get Him through all of this. His perfect faith for our imperfect faith. He took the lowest place in the world. I heard it once said that humiliation and humility are like water. It always comes from above. It always runs downhill to the lowest place until God in His grace and in the glory, like the sun, lifts that water back up to the heavens once again. Pride is the worst sin, as I titled my sermon. It is what made the devil the devil. It's the easiest sin to see in everybody else, the hardest sin to see in ourselves. Yet Jesus came into the world to shake us up a little bit. He came into this world and to each of us in our pride and in our being puffed up to bring us down in repentance and bring us up in forgiveness. His example, above all, assures us that humility, not pride, is the way to eternal glory. Amen. Please rise.